Hey, good morning, Crossing. Thank you. Hey, it is such an honor to be here. I want to welcome everybody who's here, everybody who's in the lobby, everybody at a microsite, everybody at the Southeast Campus, everybody watching online. We are so glad that you're with us, and I'm so glad to be here. I feel like this is a home away from home. Typically, Shane and I switch places in July. Um, I'm really glad to be here in May. Okay, <laughs> temperatures are a lot better here, uh, but he's over, as, as Shane said, speaking for me in uh, Southern California, Valencia, California, home of Magic Mountain, Wally World, uh, that's where I do life, and it's so fun to get to come over here and so fun to be with you. And Shane is truly one of my best friends in the world. I love this guy. We did grow up together, but don't let him fool you. He is older than I am, okay? Um, and I, I'm sure it looks like that too, but he's probably uh, four or five years older. Uh, I'm just kidding, uh, but uh, I, I love this guy, and he's just such a, a tremendous encouragement to me, an incredible pastor. And I think sometimes that you guys know, you know, when, you, when you're around somebody a lot, you kind of lose sight of how incredible they are, and I just hope you realize how amazing your lead pastor is, and you just uh, continue to appreciate him when he's here. Um, and, and he gave me 20 bucks to say that. Uh, anyway, uh, I do want to echo something that Shane said, and that is the series you guys are about to start called At the Movies. Uh, we have done a series similar to this uh, over the past couple of years, and the first time we did it, there was just a lot of like, I don't get it. I don't see how we're going to do this. But the moment you see one weekend, you'll walk out of here going, now I get it. That was awesome, and I wish I would have had a friend with me. It is going to be such an impactful series around here. Don't let this kind of moving into the summer, don't let that be kind of a, oh, we're going to skip church. Do not miss this series that starts right after Mother's Day. It is going to be so powerful. You'll be talking about it so much that you're going to bring it back the next year probably because that's what we're doing because our people loved it so much and so many new people showed up because it was kind of a medium or a form that they could understand, which is using movies to be able to explain the truth of Scripture. So make sure you're here. Make sure you bring a friend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, uh, today I want to talk about a concept that I think all of us agree with, and that is this. We've lived with this concept in our minds, whether we say it out loud or we think it in our hearts. The reality is we've all believed this concept, and that is life is crazy, People are drama. Why mix the two? You know what? I mean, you have enough experiences in your life that tell you people are strange, people are crazy, people don't get it. Dare I say, people are idiots. You know, and you, when this happens, and it's always somebody else, right? When, when this happens, you push your way away from people, right? Don't we all have somebody at the office that we say, that person's nuts, I don't want to be around them. That person's crazy, I don't want to go to lunch with them. I mean, we all have people in our family, we think, don't invite them to Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, I, I cannot explain to my mother one more time how to do Facebook. I just can't do it. It's too much. People are just pushing my limits. And all of us do that. And as a result, we kind of push away from people. Now, I've experienced this multiple times in my life. And sometimes this even gets passed on to our kids, right? Uh, several years ago, my daughters were six and four at the time. And we, had, we were going to dinner. And what that meant was we were going through a drive-thru. Okay. <laughs> And, and I picked Wendy's, and don't act like, you know, you don't have a drive-thru of your preference, because everybody does, and you've got your default, and at this time, my default was Wendy's, and here's why, because they have chicken nuggets, and they have a wide menu, a variety, and everybody gets what they want, and so I go up to the drive-thru window, to the little speaker there, I'm armed, locked and loaded, ready to roll, because I know what my kids want, 
chicken nuggets, small fry, chicken nuggets, small fry. And so I get up to the window or just to the, to the speaker and I say, I will take two chicken nuggets and two small fries. I don't even get to my order yet. I don't even get to my wife's order yet. And the person on the other end of the speaker says, okay, uh, two chicken sandwiches and two large fries. No, uh, you know, one more time, it's two chicken nuggets and two small fries. Okay, so three chicken sandwiches, a chicken nugget, and a small fry. No, not, and I'm being patient, and here's why. Because I used to work the drive through window when I was in high school. I worked at McDonald's, and that's why I chose Wendy's, okay? <laughs> and, I, and I know... I know how difficult it can be at the drive through window because you have people come up and they order crazy things and they drive away and then they become pastors of churches in Las Vegas. But that's another story about your lead pastor you don't need to hear right now. So anyway, I'm sympathetic to the drive through worker because I've lived it. And so I'm patient enough to go, let's try this again. I need two chicken nuggets, two small fries. Oh, okay, only one chicken sandwich, one chicken nugget, two large fries. No, and as I'm wrestling with this, they finally get it right, and my four-year-old daughter yells out loud, way to go, genius. (laughs) You ever have those moments where you don't know whether to punish your child or high-five them, you know? (laughs) I don't know where she gets that from, probably her mother, but I said to her, now, Sydney, that's not very nice. And now I got to face this person, right? I'm the one driving the car. I got to get up and lock, them, you know, lock eyes with them, you know, and they probably go to our church. Oh, great. Yeah, it's the pastor. Great. I mean, but we've all had those moments where we've thought it. We've all had those moments where we thought, way to go, genius. You're crazy. You don't get it. No one's like me. Life is crazy. People are drama. Why mix the two? I had an experience where I went into a coffee shop one time. And it was, it was like 8.59. And I remember that because they closed at 9. But I went in there at you know, 8.59, running in the door, thinking, I just need a cup of coffee. This will be really quick. And I run in there. And as I walk up to the counter, I say to the guy behind the counter, and he's kind of cleaning up back there by the sink. I said, are you still open? He goes, yeah, we're still open. I said, can I get a cup of coffee? And he's holding the vat of coffee, and he's dumping it into the sink. And he says, we don't have any more coffee. <laughs> you know... I hope there's a special place in hell for people. I'm kidding you. I'm kidding. That's awful. That's awful. I mean, but it's coffee, okay? You don't mess with coffee. And so I, I, I was just, I felt that thing, you know, the inside of you go, I can't believe you. How dare you? And you've had those moments, and you've been frustrated with that. The question is not, do people drive you crazy? The question is, what kind of people drive you crazy? Because there's always somebody, right? And so I have for you three different options. And I want to know where you are with this. And so I'm going to put up a a, a kind of a title of a group of people. And if that's who drives you crazy, after I explain it, you can applaud if that's that's your people that bother you. Okay? This is going to be so therapeutic for all of us. Okay? (laughs) Kind of mass confession. Here's the first one. This is the incessant talker. Okay? Yeah. This is the person that they don't have any punctuation because every sentence leads into the next one. They ask you a question, you don't even have to answer. They're going to answer it for you. All right? So how many of you say these are the people that bug you? Okay, let's just be honest, okay? How many of you are seated next to one right now? Don't answer that. Okay. All right, here's the next one. A close talker. 
You know what I mean? This is the person that gets right up in your face. They don't, they don't recognize the hula hoop of space that every person needs. You see it out in the lobby. Watch this, because somebody will be standing there and somebody else comes up and they back up and there's this waltz going on out there in the lobby. So how many of you, these are the people that bug you? Close talkers, let me hear you, okay? Okay, here's the last one, and that is the drama queen. <laughs> This one always wins. This is great. And drama queen, king, whatever you think. I mean, this is the person that everything bad happens to them. And if something bad happens to you, don't even bother telling it to the drama queen because something worse has happened to them, right? <laughs> you get to the office and say, sorry, I'm late. I had a flat tire. And they say, I had a flat tire too. And then my car exploded. <laughs> I, I bet it did. All right. So you've already voted, but this is, this is a huge one for us. You've got somebody in your life that bugs you. And guess what? We're that person for somebody else. Because all of us get so self-consumed that we think we're the only ones that are right and everybody else is just crazy. And what happens is, is we live in this kind of self-isolated prison that we get into. In fact, the truth is, we live in a selfie world, right? And I'm not just talking about the pictures, and all of us know what this is, right? This is the person, and you do this, I do this. You take a picture of yourself by, you know, a plate of food that you just got, or, or maybe with a couple of friends. And, and, and I've actually heard that Disneyland and Disney World have outlawed the selfie stick at their parks. This is the stick you can hold out there and press the button. It takes a picture of you all, because people were taking it on rides, is that not crazy? But that's how self-consumed we are. We got to take a picture of ourselves, you know, you know, going on a ride, and this thing hits the person behind us. It's just, it's awful, right? But the truth is, we live in this selfie world because we're kind of consumed with ourselves. Nothing wrong with taking a picture, but think about what happens when somebody takes a group picture that you're in, and they say, "Oh, take a look at the picture I just took of all of us." Who do you look at first? I mean, come, come on, you look at yourself first. And what do you do when you look at yourself? You do one of two things. You either say, you know what, can you send me a copy of that? Because you thought it looked pretty good, and you're going to post it on your social media, right? Or you say, let's take another one. Because <laughs> I don't look very good in that one, or I need someone to stand right in front of my midsection if possible, you know, or the lighting's not right, or you got my bad side. Because all we do is we think about ourselves. Now, now think about this for just a second. Living in a selfie world is more than just the stick or the pick. The reality is, is we're just self-consumed. We have more health clubs, more personal trainers, more counselors, more therapists, more doctors, more health plans for yourself than anyone in history. And yet we are the most anxious and depressed society that's ever lived. We are so consumed with ourselves. I mean, think for just a second about all the different types of selfies we take. There's the physical selfie. Here's what I mean by this. You go to the doctor. You get the physical. You find out all your blood work, all the things you need to work on. You learn that you need to lose 10 pounds or maybe 20 or maybe 30. That's usually the point you say, okay, maybe I need a diet. You investigate all the different diets that are out there. You might become a vegan or a vegetarian or a flexitarian. That's a vegetarian that's flexible. Okay? I'm a vegetarian. I'm a flexitarian as well, which means I'm a vegetarian unless there's bacon involved. Okay? 
all bets are off then. I mean, and you begin to kind of get, you know, consumed with this. We get consumed with how we look and, you know, taking care of ourselves and, you know, shaving everything and all that as we get older. It's just constantly consumed. There's a physical selfie. There's kind of the, the um, psychological selfie. We get counselors and therapists and, and psychiatrists, nothing wrong with all of that, but we get consumed with taking care of ourselves. We, we kind of have a, a personality selfie. All the personality tests that we take, think about them, whether it's Myers-Briggs or whether it's the DISC assessment or the, the Enneagram is making a comeback. Did you know there's over 2,500 personality tests that are out there? What else can we learn about ourselves? But we do it. There's kind of the, uh, uh, the, the, the financial selfie where we look at our portfolio and all of the things that we got to manage, our CDs and our stocks and our 401K and our 403B and our C3PO and everything else going on, right? And then there's even the spiritual selfie. Think about that for a second. You roll into church and you hear about the Ten Commandments that you're supposed to keep and the nine fruit of the Spirit that you're supposed to have. And then there's the two greatest commandments. Then there's the one golden rule. And you think, oh, my goodness, i got so much to do. I felt pretty good until I came to church. And now I feel like i got all this stuff i got to add to my life and do. And we get so, so focused on ourselves. We get so consumed with me. I went through a period of my life couple years ago where I got consumed with that and I'm a pastor I'm supposed to tell people don't be selfish but I thought well the ends justify the means so I'm going to be selfish for a little bit I'm going to think about me what's wrong with me and I was really kind of borderline depressed and and anxious and and kind of going through a dark stage and I thought I'm going to just do a deep dive into me to figure out what's wrong and I got the counselors and the therapists, and I went to the doctors. I even went to the chiropractor to make sure everything was in alignment. Went to the dentist. I mean, who knows? Guess what? I need the floss, as everybody does, right? <laughs> I decided to go and, 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 and learn more about you know, my personality, and I took all the assessments and all the tests to learn about who I was. I decided, you know, to, to talk to different people that are in my field and just ask them about leadership and about life and how to do my life better and all that. And then I, I even, every time I read the Bible, I found I was just obsessed with me, looking at every scripture as to what does this mean to me? What should I do about this? What's God's going to do for me? What's God's promises for me? Me, me, me. And guess what? After all of this process of self-discovery, guess what? I was more empty than ever. And I found myself so isolated because of the selfie world I had created for myself. And maybe that's exactly where you are right now. You've got all the counselors and doctors and therapists and life coaches. And not that there's anything wrong with those professions, but you have thrown yourself into self-consumption to where you are living a self-hyphenated life of selfish, self-centered, self-isolated. And you kind of wander into church wondering, is there anything in this for me? And it just leads you to this empty, broken, and dark place, and I've been there. And what happened for me was this revelation that I'd never seen before, but it's been there plain and simple every time we look at the words of Jesus. And it has to do with what, who Jesus is talking to when he says some of the most powerful words we have in Scripture. Take a look at some of these, these statements that Jesus made. These are 
powerful statements. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Now, light of the world, this is this idea that we're to take Jesus' light into a dark world and be a shining light for him. And some of you feel like that in your family or in your place of business or the industry in which you work, and you feel like it is this overwhelming pressure on you to be the light of the world. Salt of the earth, this is this idea that we are the ones that preserve all that is good and pure in this world. And you feel that weight. You feel that weight so much that you feel like you've got to shout about it on social media and impress people with how much you know because of this weight of you being the salt of the earth. But here's what I did not know. This word you that Jesus says here, it's plural. In the original language, what Jesus is really saying here is, all of you are the light of the world. Or if you're from where I'm from, Shane is from, we would say, y'all are the light of the earth. You know what the plural of y'all is, right? All y'all. It's, it's fun to say. Let's try that right now. Ready? All y'all. All y'all are the light of the world. That's what Jesus is saying. All y'all are the salt of the earth. And because it's not a solo sport. It's not golf. It's basketball. I mean, it is everybody pulling together to make this work. And Jesus says, here's the way you're going to be the light of the world, not on your own, but together. Here's the way you're going to be the salt of the earth, not on your own, but together. Here's another thing Jesus says. Look at this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. All right, that's powerful. We should do that. We should stop hating our enemies. We should love them. But notice who's supposed to do that. Not just you individually, but all y'all. In other words, have you noticed how easy it is for us to hate somebody together? Just look on social media. You hate, some, you hate something, somebody, something that somebody did, you're going to find a lot of people to join in with you and go, oh, I feel the same way. Let me tell you what they did. You know, it's like that old saying, not all of us want a God, but we all want a devil. Think about that. You all want somebody that we can point a finger at and blame. And Jesus says, as much as all y'all love to rally around hating somebody, why don't you take that energy and rally around and love somebody? And for every one of us that looks at this verse and feels like that's a daunting task, there's no way I could love my enemies, guess what? You can't on your own. But together, we could. Look what else Jesus says here. He says, ask and it will be given to all of you. Seek and all of you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to all of you. In other words, this idea of us asking and seeking and knocking and praying and begging God, it is not a solo sport. We do this together. Look what else he says here in this passage in Matthew. If all of you believe, all of you will receive whatever all of you ask for in prayer. We are in this together. This is why it's so valuable for us to be together once a week, because we pray together. It's why it's so valuable here at the crossing to get into a small group, into a life group, because you are doing this together. Look what else Jesus says here in this passage in John. And I will do whatever all of you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. All of you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is not a solo thing, just you and Jesus in your prayer closet reading your Bible. This is all of us together. And then Jesus says this. And if all of you remain in me, 
and my words remain in all of you. Ask whatever all of you wish, and it will be given to you. All of those, verse, all of those versions of the word you are plural. In fact, even the Apostle Paul says a similar thing. He says, all of you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when he lists the fruit of the Spirit, he's talking about all of us collectively rather than each of us individually, which takes tremendous pressure off of us. In fact, we were in a small group one time, and we were talking about this passage, and somebody said, so it's almost kind of like, it's not like you're supposed to have all the fruit of the Spirit, but rather all of us are supposed to be a fruit basket. So that's pretty good. Most of us look around at each other and say, Nettie has a fruitcake. What we should be saying is, is we're all this great fruit basket because here's the reality. Think about what is referred to as the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I mean, all of these things, you look at that list and think, boy, I, I don't even know how I could even do all of those. Well, I'll start with the first one. And then you pull out in the parking lot right after you leave church and somebody cuts you off and love is gone. All right, we're done with that. <laughs> Joy, don't have that anymore. Peace, forget it. Patience, no, not a chance. And so it just kind of rolls out. But here's what he's saying. Some of you are naturally inclined to be more self-controlled than others. Help those out who can't be. Some of you, it's more natural for you to be peaceable and be patient. Help those out who aren't. And together, we do life better on our own. In fact, in fact, the only time that Jesus talks about you, singular, he says it this way. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And isn't this the feeling that we have when we pursue ourselves? One day we, we just wake up and feel like, I'm empty. Because you have lost your life. And Jesus says, stop seeking yourself because the only way to fix me is through we. That's the only way that we do it. And so I decided I'm going to try to figure this out. Try to fix myself, right? And so I go to lunch with another pastor and I'm sitting down having lunch with him and I, and I start just laying out all my problems. This went wrong, and this went wrong, and this person betrayed me, and this person let me down, and I don't know, I don't know. And I was expecting him to look at me and say, oh, I'm so sorry, or to simply say, you know what, Jesus went to the cross, so suck it up, <laughs> which would have been right. But instead, he looked at me, and he told me a story. And he said, yeah, I understand. A few years ago, we had a couple that we were really close to. We'd spent years together, doing life together, and was really vulnerable and real with them about, you know, just my own personal struggles. And, and then one day they came to me and they said, we're leaving the church. I said, why? And they said, because you're a broken person. <laughs> and they started using my vulnerability against me. And they left our lives, they left the church, and they were dear friends. And I said, what did you learn from that? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> Unless... Unless my telling you that story encourages you. Because if it does, it was all worth it. And you know what? He was right. There's something about when you hear somebody else is going through something, it just galvanizes you together. 
And in that moment, I discovered the only way to fix me is with we. We need each other. And so what do I do with all of this stuff that I've learned about me? What do you do with all of this knowledge that you have about you? Well, you really only have three options. The first one is this. Here's who I am. So who's like me? And you go around looking for the person that is your identical doppelganger in every aspect of your life. And here's here's what I discovered about me, and maybe some of you can relate to this. I discovered that I'm an introverted, intuitive-thinking, judgmental, diabetic with high HDL, low MDL, vitamin D deficient, high I, believing activator perfectionist in need of two minutes of burpees and squats a day, complete with 20 minutes of mild cardio, and I need to save about 50 grand a month to be ready to retire, give or take. Who else is exactly like that? (laughs) Nobody, right? And so if you're looking around for your exact match, you're never going to find them. That's not what this is for. Here's the second option, and that is, here's who I am, so deal with it. I'm just loud. That's me. You know what? I speak my mind. Get over it. I'm sorry your child's crying, all right? Just whatever. You're screaming. You're yelling. Or maybe you're the opposite. I don't talk. That's just me. I don't smile. Never. This is as fun as I get, so get over it. <laughs> and you use who you are almost as a, you know, a weapon, But what if you went with option three, which is, here's who I am, so I need you. In other words, I recognize the brokenness of my life and the inadequacies that I have. And that's why I need you. Because we is always better than me. You know, I am who I am today because of people different than me. I'm an introvert by nature which people always say, how could you be an introvert and stand on stage and talk to people? This is easy. You're not talking back. (laughs) It's an introvert's dream. You come out and say what you want, and then you leave. You know, that's about it. (laughs) But extroverts saved my life, and I'll tell you why. My dad was an extrovert. He kept pushing me out in the social settings. Go on, son. Go on, son. And I hated it at the time, but I was glad that he did. I had a roommate who was an extrovert, and he looked at me one day, and he said, Get up, go to that phone, and you call that girl and ask her out. I don't know, I don't know. Do it. And he did, and this May, we'll celebrate 24 years of being married because of an extrovert. (laughs) I am who I am today in ministry because of an extrovert named Shane Phillip who pushed me out of my comfort zone and said, you can do this, you need to do this, you need to stay in this game, keep at it. I need other people around me different than me. Because even though life is crazy and people are drama, guess what? So am I. And I need you in order for us to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth and to remain in Jesus and see him change the world. Several months ago, or actually a couple years ago, we moved into a different home. And in doing so, we had to... uh, we moved into a house that had two levels because we only had one before. And the moment we decided to move, I knew in my mind, we're hiring movers. And here's why. Because we have a treadmill in our bedroom that we use to hang clothes on. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. You got one too, right? It's amazing how those hangers fit on there just perfectly. 
And I knew that was going to have to go up those stairs. And this treadmill weighs about 7,000 pounds. And I thought, I'm not doing that. I'm not forcing friends of mine to do that. So I'm just going to hire someone to move us. And so I did. It took three grown men to drag this thing up the stairs and put it into our bedroom. And as, as life has it, about three months later, my wife says, let's get rid of the treadmill. I said, okay. She said, I've already sold it online. You just got to get it downstairs. You want to call some people? Nope. She says, you want me to help you? Nope. Because I'm a man. I'm going to do this on my own. That's how we do things, right? And so I, I decided one Saturday I was getting that thing downstairs. And I, even though in my mind I thought it took three men to get it up the stairs, I watched it. But now I'm using gravity. <laughs> I just got to push it down the stairs, right? That's all I got to do. So I pushed it over there to the stairs. And I finally got it there. That took about an hour. And then I kind of wheeled it around and started to kind of lean it down the stairs. And my wife goes, you want some help? No. Because if you've ever moved anything with your spouse, you know there's screaming and crying and cursing. And it's just, you know, it's nearly divorce. And I said, I, we're not going to do that. I got it. Okay. And so now I have this dilemma. Am I going to push it or am I going to pull it? And I thought if I push it, it could get away from me and knock out a wall. I don't want to mess with that. So I'll get underneath it and I'll pull it towards me because, because I could stop it. Because this isn't all natural, all right? This is a, this is a work of art. And so I, I got below that thing, and I began to pull it towards me. And, and fortunately, our stairs go part way, then it turns and goes down another way. And so I had a little break there, and I swung it around, and I'm pushing it down. And I slip, and that thing comes over me and just <laughs> pins me on the stairs. My wife doesn't even have to see it. She's in the other room. She hears the commotion, and she just goes... You want to call the neighbor? No, I don't. And I pulled myself out from underneath that monstrosity, and I spent the next two days patching up the wall, patching up my leg, bandaging things, and acting like I got this. How ridiculous is that? But here's the reality. Most of us are living our life pinned underneath something right now. It might be an addiction. It might be trouble in your marriage. It might be an anxiety issue. It might be depression. It might be a fear that you think no one else would ever understand. Guess what? They will. Join a recovery group around here. Join a discovery, the discover class, which is coming up today. Join a small group. Get involved with some other people because you cannot do this on your own. The only way to fix me is with we, and we are truly better together. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you have come to lift the load. And thank you, God, that while you have lifted the load of sin that has weighed us down, you use all of us to lift the load of life that we continue to walk through. God, some of us right now, we're just so overwhelmed and we think nobody else would get it. Nobody else would understand. But they're seated around people right now that get it and that understand. And so God, as we take communion right now, would you just begin to soften our hearts to not just what you did for us, but what others can do for us and what we can do for them as well. That we need each other. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.